Letter eight of the Sylph. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Celine Major. The Sylph by Georgiana Cavendish, Duchess of Devonshire. Letter eight. To Miss Grenville surrounded with mantua makers milliners and hairdressers i blush to say i have hardly time to bestow on my dear louisa what a continual bustle do i live in without having literally anything to do all these wonderful preparations are making for my appearance at court and in consequence of that my visiting all the places of public amusement i foresee my head will be turned with this whirl of folly i am inclined to call it in contradiction to the opinion of mankind if the people i am among are of any character at all i may comprise it in a few words to me they seem to be running about all the morning and throwing away time in concerting measures to throw away more in the evening then as to dress to give an idea of that i must reverse the line of an old song what was our shame is now our pride i have had a thousand patterns of silks brought to me to make choice and such colours as yet never appeared in a rainbow a very elegant man one of sir william's friends i thought was introduced to me the other morning i was preparing to receive him as a visitor when taking out his pocket-book he begged i would do him the honour to inspect some of the most fashionable patterns and of the newest taste he gave me a list of their names as he laid them on the cuff of his coat this you perhaps will think unnecessary and that as colours affect the visual orb the same in different people i might have been capable of distinguishing blue from red and so on but the case is quite otherwise there are no such colours now this your ladyship will find extremely becoming it is les chevaux de la reine but the colour de puce is esteemed before it and mixed with d'artois forms the most elegant assemblage in the world the ponsant is immensely rich but to suit your ladyship's complexion i would rather recommend the feuille morte or la noisette fifty others equally unintelligible he ran off with the utmost facility i thought however so important a point should be determined by wiser heads than mine therefore requested him to leave them with me as i expelled some ladies on whose taste i had great reliance as i cannot be supposed from the nature of things to judge for myself with any propriety i shall leave the choice of my clothes to lady besford and lady anne parker two ladies who have visited me and are to be my protectors in public i was extremely shocked when i sent for a mantua-maker to find a man was to perform that office i even refused a long time to admit him near me and thinking myself perfectly safe that i should have him on my side appealed to sir william he laughed at my ridiculous scruples as he called them and farther told me custom justified everything nothing was indecent or otherwise but as it was the ton i was silent but neither satisfied or pleased and submitted i believe with but an ill grace lady besford was so extremely polite to interest herself in everything concerning my making a fashionable appearance and procured for me a french friseur of the last importation who dressed hair to a miracle au dernier goût i believe louisa i must send you a dictionary of polite phrases or you will be much at a loss notwithstanding you have a pretty competent knowledge of the french tongue i blush twenty times a day at my own stupidity and then sir william tells me 
it is so immensely bored to blush which makes me blush ten times more because i don't understand what he means by that expression and i am afraid to discover my ignorance and he has not patience to explain every ambiguous word he uses but cries shrugging up his shoulders ah quel sauvage and then composes his ruffled spirits by humming an italian air well but i must tell you what my dress was in which i was presented my gown was a silver tissue trimmed with silver net and tied up with roses as large as life i was going to say indeed it was very beautiful and so it ought for it came to a most enormous sum my jewels are magnifique and in immense quantities do you know i could not find out half their purposes or what i should do with them for such things i never saw what should poor win and i have done by ourselves lady besford talked of sending her woman to assist me in dressing i told her i had a servant to whom i had been accustomed for a long time ah for heaven's sake my dear creature exclaimed my husband don't mention the tramontane she might do tolerably well for the welsh mountains but she will cut a most outre figure in the beau monde i beg you will accept of lady besford's polite offer till you can provide yourself with a fille de chambre that knows on which side her right hand hangs alas poor winifred jones her mistress i doubt has but few advantages over her lady besford was lavish in the encomiums of her woman who had had the honour of being dresser to one of the actresses many years yesterday morning the grand task of my decoration was to commence ah good lord i can hardly recollect particulars i am morally convinced my father would have been looking for his julia had he seen me and would have spent much time before he discovered me in the midst of feathers flowers and a thousand gewgaws beside too many to enumerate i will if i can describe my head for your edification as it appeared to me when monsieur permitted me to view myself in the glass i was absolutely ready to run from it with fright like poor actaeon when he had suffered the displeasure of diana and like him was in danger of running my new acquired ornaments against everything in my way monsieur alighted from his chariot about eleven o'clock and was immediately announced by griffith who poor soul stared as if he thought him one of the finest men in the world he was attended by a servant who brought in two very large caravan boxes and a number of other things monsieur then prepared to begin his operations sir william was at that time in my dressing-room he begged for god's sake that monsieur would be so kind as to exert his abilities as everything depended on the just impression my figure made monsieur bowed and shrugged just like an overgrown monkey in a moment i was overwhelmed with a cloud of powder what are you doing i do not mean to be powdered i said not powdered repeated sir william why you would not be so barbarous as to appear without it positively is not decent i thought answered i you used to admire the colour of my hair how often have you praised its glossy hue and called me your nut-brown maid fo fo said he blushing perhaps lest he should be suspected of tenderness as that is very vulgar i can bear to see a woman without powder in summer but now the case is otherwise monsieur knows what he is about don't interrupt or dictate to him i am going to dress adieu ma charmante 
with a determination of being passive i sat down under his hands often i confess wondering what kind of being i should be in my metamorphosis and rather impatient of the length of time to say nothing of the pain i felt under the pulling and frizzing and rubbing in the exquisitely scented pomade de venus at length the words vous êtes fini madame au dernier goût were pronounced and i rose with precaution lest i should discompose my new-built fabric and to give a glance at myself in the glass but where or in what language shall i ever find words to express my astonishment at the figure which presented itself to my eyes what with curls flowers ribbons feathers lace jewels fruit and ten thousand other things my head was at least from one side to the other full half and all wide from the lowest curl that lay on my shoulder up to the top i am sure i am within compass if i say three-quarters of a yard high besides six enormous large feathers black white and pink that reminded me of the plumes which nodded on the immense cask in the castle of otranto good god i exclaimed i can never bear this the man assured me i was dressed quite in taste let me be dressed as i will i answered i must and will be altered i would not thus expose myself for the universe saying which i began pulling down some of the prodigious and monstrous fabric the dresser of the actresses exclaimed loudly and the friseur remonstrated however i was inflexible but to stop the volubility of the frenchman's tongue i inquired how much i was indebted to him for making me a monster a mere trifle half a guinea the dressing and for the feathers pins wool false curls chignon toques pomades flowers wax fruit ribboned etc etc he believes about four guineas would be the difference i was almost petrified with astonishment when i recovered the power of utterance i told him i thought at least he should have informed me what he was about before he ran me to so much expense three-fourths of the things were useless as i would not by any means appear in them it was the same to him he said they were now my property he had run the risk of disobliging the duchess of d by giving me the preference of the finest bundles of radishes that had yet come over but this it was to degrade himself by dressing commoners lady besford had entreated this favour from him but he must say he had never been so ill-treated since his arrival in this kingdom in short he flew out of the room in a great rage leaving me in the utmost disorder i begged mrs freeman so her ladyship's woman is called to assist me a little in undoing what the impertinent frenchman had taken such immense pains to effect i had sacrificed half a bushel of trumpery when lady besford was ushered into my dressing-room lord bless me my dear lady stanley what still déshabillé i thought you had been ready and waiting for me i began by way of apology to inform her ladyship of monsieur's insolence she looked serious and said i am sorry you offended him i fear he will represent you at her grace's ruelle and you will be the jest of the whole court indeed this is a sad affair he is the first man in his walk of life and if he was the last i rejoined it would be better however i beg your ladyship's pardon for not being ready i shall not detain you many minutes my dear louisa you will laugh when i tell you that poor winifred who was reduced to be my gentlewoman's gentlewoman broke two laces in endeavouring to draw my new french stays clothes 
you know i am naturally small at bottom but now you might literally span me you never saw such a doll then they are so intolerably wide across the breast that my arms are absolutely sore with them and my sides so pinched but it is the ton and pride feels no pain it is with these sentiments the ladies of the present age heal their wounds to be admired is a sufficient balsam sir william had met with the affronted frenchman and like lady besford was full of apprehensions lest he should expose me for my part i was glad to be from under his hands at any rate and feared nothing when he was gone only still vexed at the strange figure i made my husband freely condemned my behaviour as extremely absurd and on my saying i would have something to cover or at least shade my neck for that i thought it hardly decent to have that entirely bare while one's head was loaded with superfluities he exclaimed to lady besford clapping his hands together oh god this ridiculous girl will be an eternal disgrace to me i thought this speech very cutting i could not restrain a tear from starting i hope not sir william said i but lest i should i will stay at home till i have properly learnt to submit to insult and absurdity without emotion my manner made him ashamed he took my hand and kissing it begged my pardon and added my dear creature i want you to be admired by the whole world and in compliance with the taste of the world we must submit to things which from their novelty we may think absurd but use will reconcile them to you lady besford encouraged me and i was prevailed on to go though very much out of spirits i must break off here for the present this letter has been the work of some days already adieu in continuation my apprehensions increased each moment that brought us near st james but there was nothing for it so i endeavoured all in my power to argue myself into a serenity of mind and succeeded beyond my hopes the amiable condescension of their majesties however contributed more than anything to compose my spirits or what i believe to be nearer the true state of the case i was absorbed in respect for them and totally forgot myself they were so obliging as to pay sir william some compliments and the king said if all my countrywomen were like me he should be afraid to trust his son thither i observed sir william with the utmost attention i saw his eyes were on me the whole time but my louisa i cannot flatter myself so far as to say they were the looks of love they seemed to me rather the eyes of scrutiny which were on the watch yet afraid they should see something unpleasing i longed to be at home to know from him how i had acquitted myself to my question he answered by pressing me to his bosom crying like an angel by heaven upon my soul julia i never was so charmed with you in my life and upon my honour i returned i could not discover the least symptom of tenderness in your regards i dreaded all the while that you was thinking i should disgrace you you was never more mistaken i never had more reason to be proud of any part of my family the circle rang with your praises but you must not expect tenderness in public my love if you meet with it in private you will have no cause of complaint this will give you but a strange idea of the world i am in louisa i do not above half like it and think a ramble arm in arm with you upon our native mountains worth it all however my lot is drawn 
and perhaps as times and husbands go i have no cause of complaint end of letter eight